Welcome to another episode of The Junction. I'm excited today we are talking about AI-generated Zoom summaries, all the things you need to know. We use Zoom. We've used Zoom for a very long time. We've Zoomed for a long time. We've been active Zoomers, Zoom adopters, early adopters. Not that, you know, we're not a virtual workspace by any stretch, but we work with a ton of client clients. We're in consulting, and so our clients and partners are all over the world. Uh, what? But what's? what do you think about all this stuff that's coming out about them updating their terms of service and they're now using and learning off customer data uh, that just happened within the last couple of months? It's not shocking. It's not shocking at all. Everybody wants data. If you've done any... Um, research on any of these large language models, right? Everything uh, relies on some kind of human-created data. I think we talked about this a little bit in one of our last episodes, right? If you don't have data to train the model on, then you don't have anything to train with. right? So then it's like, well, let's start generating. How do we generate more data? Well, what if I had a ton of recordings where people were talking every day, all day long, and if I had access to that, then I could train all sorts of models. Um, so this is a really interesting move by Zoom. It doesn't shock me in the least bit. And they've paired it with this idea of a summary, like we're going to summarize your call. And that's something that we want to do, we've been doing. Um, we're doing it with our transcripts, playing around with it, with uh, from recruiting to sales calls to prospecting, I mean, you name it. Uh, Gong has been doing a little bit of this, like watching keywords. I want to like sidebar about that. How has Gong been doing it for so long? If you do need such massive amounts of data, they are looking at the they're looking at the transcripts and then finding like keywords. Uh, I think you and I took one of their calls, right? They're like, yeah. How many times did Mel say marketing, right? Right. And they're like thirteen. Well, then they can link that word or the number of times that you say it to each to each spot in that video. What, it, what Zoom's doing now is they're taking the whole transcript and they're giving everybody a summary of what the call was about. How do you think the summary is? We've, we've experimented with it since yeah, it was available. It's not. Uh, it, needs, it needs to learn. It needs, uh, you know, they need a lot of data. Now, is it, it learning based off of all of this anonymized customer data or is it, it's, or is it learning on our account? Um, you have to enable Zoom summaries. But the summary capability is in mass, right? They're not looking at, so for Venn technology, it's not training on Venn and here's Venn's summaries. Right, it's right, right. training in mass. Right. I believe they're anonymizing the recording data, right? And they're training their model based off of that. And everybody's going to get access to an enhanced version of Zoom summaries. Right. Right now, it's uh, it's like, uh, did you ever do Dragon Easy Speak? Dr- Dragon Speak Easy? It was like 2004, like you speak into a mic and it basically records your voice and then types it for you. It's like word processing. No, you okay. I mean, if I'm, only I'm cool the now. listeners could see my face right now. They can though. This is also why we make, we, we've got synergy, right? I know. Yeah. I have not done those things. I'm willing to bet that the, some of our listeners out there are not familiar, but what is the connection there? Where are you going with that? Well, thought? The most challenging thing was taking uh, audio and converting it into text. Okay. Right? Now, Zoom has gotten fairly good at that. I mean, you still catch the one-off words where it's, you know, like, I didn't say the F word, but there it is, you know. <laughs> like, sometimes it misses it, and that's probably more so some kind of internet connection, mic-related thing. You know, there's a hiccup. 
whatnot. Um, but now they need to take the transcript and they need to dump it into their large language model. And the only way they get access to that is if, at least what they say, right, is if you enable these Zoom call summaries, you are mm. now automatically saying that it's okay for Zoom to look at all your recordings, take the transcripts, right, and then put that into their large language model to train it on all the things you're saying. Um, it's actually a really interesting um, concept because once they've trained it on all this data, right, all these natural conversations that people are having, it'll be really interesting to see like what comes of that because the majority of the large language models are, are text-based conversations, right, where I'm chatting with you or it's reading Reddit posts and we go back and forth and we're arguing about, I don't know, chess, who knows, whatever people argue about. Very but, contentious landscape. Yes, you better watch out. Um, but Zoom recordings, you know, a lot of them are like business-related, business conversations. Um, it's usually B2B, I would say, for the most part, right? And so they're going to have this kind of like general business person that's really the large language model that is, right? It's going to be really good at having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody the same way that we're talking right now, you know? Um Anyway, but I imagine that um, when we see what comes of this, people will start to question, you know, how what how'd you do this? You know, how much how much of our data did you take? They're not necessarily very specific, other than they say that you're giving them access to it. It's like so that they can enhance the product, right? Well, that doesn't mean that they won't also come out with another product that they sell, sure, based on all the data that you gave them. So, what I think, think is it. interesting, we've talked about. Deploying something like this internally from a uh, pulling the transcripts in and based on the type of call or the stage that we're in. So if it's a early stage sales call, having the recording or the summary that comes out of the Zoom transcript and if we're using a tool like OpenAI to do it, but basically saying for these types of calls, we want you to not only summarize it, but then we want you to answer these five questions. Yeah. Like what, what was the thing we're selling? What was the sentiment of the person on the phone? Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know, whatever, whatever typical kind of things we would want to see recapped that the sales rep does not have time to recap on. And then being able to package that, that up and drop it in the Slack channel, something like that. I think that's something that's really interesting to me that we would be able to do like by stage or by call type. Oh, for sure. Well, you, there's two avenues here, right? Like if you give your recordings to Zoom, who knows what they're going to do with it? Um, oh, by the way, I want to spend half a million dollars buying this software, so on and so forth, right? And now I'm talking about intent data. Well, Zoom Info, different company, right, mm. is very interested in that, right? Now, maybe they anonymize it, but somebody's interested in this particular piece of software to the tune of 500 grand, got to be really uh, careful about maybe what you say if you enable this because you may be unknowingly giving other companies interest in what you were talking about on the phone. But back to what you were thinking, like if you can have that full recording and you can summarize all the things that you're saying, right, the transcript or the summary ideas, it's interesting. It's good for the people that didn't weren't in on the call, right, or maybe you had a long weekend and you can't remember either. That's great. What we found that might even be more powerful is people tend to, um, at least in the sales cycle, right? Like, oh yeah, they were totally in. Like they gave me a verbal, you know, half a mil, we're ready to roll. 
And if you go back and listen to the call, they're like, yeah, we got, we're interview we're talking to a couple more other folks and we're going to make a decision, you know, in the next six months. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was totally different. Right. So let's gauge the sentiment on the phone call for mm-hmm. this specific speaker. Like the de- when the decision maker talked, did they sound excited? Did they sound, you know, ready to buy or did they mention anything about waiting? Like, are they ready to buy right now? Right. You can ask questions of the transcript that isn't necessarily a summary. And that's where I found it. So you're interacting with it. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's different. That that differentiates a product like gong from what we're talking about. Right. Versus, cause it can do that today. It can give you the sentiment and this was mentioned this many times and it can give you kind of that application of training, you know, Hey, sales manager, you know, help train up this rep on these things. Oh yeah. But if you have the ability to then actually have that conversation like we do in chat GPT, after the call, that's pretty powerful. Right. Well, it's great for um, people that weren't on the call that want to ask questions about the call, but they can't get a hold of that person, right? Because maybe they're on PTO. Mm. But they also don't have, you know, if it was like two-hour long phone call, maybe they don't have two hours to go back and find that one thing, right? Right. So now you can ask the the large language model, you know, um, did anybody mention anything about um, a, a ballpark range. And this is one that I'm actually very interested in because if if we've already told them it's 20 to 50 grand and I'm about to get on the phone and I'm going to tell them it's 50 to 100, they're going to be like, hold up, Brent told me that it was 20 to 50. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have watched the video or read through the transcript or asked a question, but now Brent's out of the Bahamas and I'm at my own, you know, left to my own devices. So it just really speeds up that knowledge transfer when the knowledge transfer doesn't happen. Well, I guess we'll see how this continues to evolve. I know, like you said, we're, we're experimenting with some of the stuff in-house um, on our on our end. And as with anything, we weigh kind of the cost to go build and do ourselves versus some of the capabilities that are out there. So again, kind of like important to just keep these conversations going. Right. One of the uh, advantages of having an AI committee, which I think let's just do an episode on that one time. Oh, like totally. I, how, how to kind of, you know, put together your AI committee, what they should do, what's the cadence. But I think that we're just getting that off the ground, but that's been helpful to kind of, keep these discussions alive yeah. and it's not just you or myself finding um, some, staying up to date with some of these trends, but we've got multiple people in different parts of the organization that are keeping tabs on AI. And if we need to pivot direction, because you know what, it might not be worth it to build that. Let's go and adopt this feature in the tool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, what's crazy is, uh, I think meetings, maybe I'm maybe slightly biased, but I think meetings go really well in person. Um, and I don't know if you saw this headline, but Zoom just announced uh, to people that are within like 50 miles of their offices that they must come in. And it just made me chuckle a little bit because Zoom's all about, you know, well, y'all can meet remotely. Um, but if you happen to work for us in this one little area, you need to come into the office to maybe use Zoom. Wow. No, I, I miss that. It's, uh, yeah, you know, just slightly ironic, but no, that is ironic. I wonder if they're sitting in the, uh, you know, in the conference rooms with each other using zoom. Cause that would make me chuckle. I mean, there has to be some value. I don't know. Again, you look at like the, we know what the value add is for in-person in office collaboration. Again, we use zoom all the time to interact with clients and partners, but 
there is something about have, having those quote unquote water cooler talks. Oh yeah. We've got a dartboard in here. That's kind of where some of those conversations happen. Yeah. You can hear it on the other side of the studio. <laughs> or at Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch. We've got foosball. the break room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone touches the foosball machine. We don't. We almost switched it out for the for the what is the shuffleboard. Yeah. The shuffleboard would have been way cooler. Love I love shuffleboard. I almost, I almost told Brent to do it, but it's fine. We'll get it, you know, when we're on the up and up. <laughs> Let's have a Zoom call about it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Uh, I love the headline section, so thanks for kind of teeing us up for that. I did miss that headline. Um, this one is really interesting. I have to ask before I read the headline, Chase, did you ever play Dungeons & Dragons? Now, if if I tell the truth, are you going to you know ring me out on social media? Actually, I should have paraphrased it and not locked you down to the past. Mm. Do you presently play? I was like, maybe you still play <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I really liked the idea of Dungeons and Dragons telling stories, building out characters, you know. Um, I just didn't have friends that really bought into that whole thing. Mm. Um, and so uh, I have never played a in-person tabletop version of it, but I have played lots of video games, role-playing RPG games that are based on the du- Dungeon and Dragons rule set. Okay. So do you know where I'm going with this then? Um, Have you seen anything about this? I actually saw this headline today before you threw it on here. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was happening news. There was like six oh, yeah. pages of, of Google news it on deal. it. Yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons tells illustrators to stop using AI to generate artwork for fantasy franchise. What's your take? This, this really doesn't um, shock me a whole lot because I saw another headline, maybe somewhere that some court in the United States has ruled that you can't copyright something that wasn't created by a human. And I didn't really dig into the, like, well, really though? Like, you know, I didn't make it down that far, at least in my head. But I like the general idea, you know, like we want to say that original works that were generated by somebody's own hand, right, uh, constitute something that can be copyrighted. Um, And so... If I'm paying you to use your own hand to create art for me, I'm not saying I'm not saying, hey, I want you to go create art and use AI that now makes it something that you didn't do with your own hand, because that's not what I'm paying you to do. So I can understand and uh, enjoy the maybe the idea behind this, right? Like, well, I we want to pay for original works of art, not something that that generates it just because I typed in a sentence. Yeah. Um, but there's also to, you know, something like when you think about art that's hanging on the wall, original art sitting in museums, right, from a long time ago was all done by hand. And that's because it's uh, it's got that human element. It was um, uh, handcrafted, right? Maybe that's the word I'm really looking for. Things that I really enjoy or really value are handcrafted. Things that I you know, throw away real fast or like things. Like the beer you're drinking right now. Like the beer. I mean, the can, right? Like mm-hmm. I think of, you know, the the Timu stuff that I buy for $2. Like, well, it's worth $2 because it's not handcrafted. Sure. And I feel like AI-generated creative works of art are kind of the same thing. Like, well, I spent two seconds typing up, you know, some words, and I utilized that to submit my artwork for a Dungeons & Dragons card set or book or, you know, whatever um, thing they're generating. So I think I'm in favor of this. 
What about you though? What do you, what's your take here? Cause I feel like you maybe have a hotter take than I do. Um, no, I, I would say we're in line. I, I think it's important to protect the artists like you're talking about, especially really original artwork. I was actually just, um, out of town for the weekend visiting some friends and family, had a baby shower to attend. And this, we went in this little local community. There was a bunch of original artworks it's out in San Juan Capistrano in California. And I mean, I'm just like flipping through all of this artwork and, you know, marveling at the the price of some and <laughs> gawking at the price <laughs> of others. But there's also such a huge appreciation as I hold it and I can see the breaststrokes and know someone somewhere in this town or across right. the world. It's the real deal. Yeah, it was holding yeah. this. They were looking at something as they were crafting it or they had an image in their mind. And that's really powerful. And I think we absolutely need to protect that where I think it starts to get a little slippery is, you know, we use tools like uh, illustrator and and design Canva. Like we use a number of different tools here at Venn to do our own graphic design. Granted, we're not doing the level of graphics and books and things like Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, you create one thing one time, there is like, you can do a copy paste and apply mm-hmm. it elsewhere. And you mm-hmm. don't necessarily, I don't believe that to be like plagiarizing right. your own right. work. Right. Um, so there is that level of like being able to put an original concept together and then maybe leveraging some of these tools to get you um, mm. that type of style or um, artistic flair right. across multiple mediums. Yeah. So I don't want to say that it's, you shouldn't ever do it. There's very specific use cases for it. Right. And obviously this particular illustrator, um, was doing some experimentation and, you know, maybe thought this was going to fly on the radar or wasn't thinking about the implications. Yeah. Well, part, part of the, the, some of the lawsuits that have come out is, that they are the the lawsuit is against the model, effectively training off of the content that was handcrafted that was paid for by those individuals or organizations, right? And this is maybe at least as far as the lawsuit goes, this is where I've, I'm kind of conflicted because the large language model is simply like looking at what you did and then taking making it slightly own altering it. Well, that's what we. I mean, we all do that, right? Right. So, what's the difference of this machine checking out all your work, right? And then creating a version of that. Now it's its own version. And I think that's kind of where I struggle. And I I personally hope they they lose those because I really don't see a true difference. If if I did that and I happened to do it very fast, it just was that good, right? They're not gonna be able to sue me simply because I can paint faster than, you know, somebody else. Um, but I think it really does go back to this handcrafted idea. Was the work originally handcrafted? If so, that's the copyright. If it wasn't generated by hand, it was generated by something else, well, that's not copyrightable. You also have to consider where was this individual? So were they employed by a company mm. that thereby all of those rights are actually belong to the company? Right. I've had in previous roles did um, actual created illustrations that, went on to become corporate training material for years after I had left the company. And I will occasionally get a text from someone, you know, former colleague, like, hey, does this look familiar? (laughs) They're still using it, you know. You're famous. Right, somewhere. (laughs) 
So I see that. And in one regard, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're still using it. That's so cool. And then there's that like little joke narrative, like, hmm, where's my residual? Yeah, you know? right. You but me up. right. Once upon a time, I signed a contract that I was working for a said company and anything right. that I do, same goes here for Venn. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, anything I do here, it's not mine really, right? It's under the umbrella of Venn technology. So I, there's also like that consideration. Right. And I think that, um, you know, that I can understand what both sides. And yeah. That's where it's just, it's kind of tricky. Like I don't want to weigh in I'll all let, in on one side. Or I'll the let other. the courts ha- handle it. I'm, I guess that's I'm, what they do. That's what yeah. they're supposed to do. Right. There's like lawyers and judges. <laughs> and I sit at my keyboard all day. So yeah. what do I know? Okay. Well, let's jump into the next headline then. So this one's super interesting. Speaking of travel and going on trips, a new frontier for travel scammers, AI generated guidebooks. There's this whole article by the New York Times, like debunking this Amazon travel book scam, essentially, or AI generated content. These travel scammers are leveraging a number of tools to put together these guidebooks that have been ranking in the top. Like you type in uh, Paris. 2023 guidebook. Right. And these AI generated uh, content pieces are showing up. They're buying them and then they're getting them and saying that, well, this is trash. So, but, but it's very misleading because they're showing as being, you know, almost like ranked or promoted on Amazon. There's a lot of five star listings, which the New York Times kind of dug into. So, yeah. I'll stop there. What's your take? This, okay. So, this isn't the ultimate direction that I'm going to go, but. I love, I love the like, um, I don't know, just the creative ingenuity that you have. So if you read the full article, right, they had to come up with content. And I'm not saying this, you should go and do this yourself because ultimately they're, they're going to get found out, right? And they're going to get kicked off and then their accounts can be banned. Who knows? Um, but I have to appreciate the ingenuity here. They created a bunch of content using AI. Right, they created a bunch of images using AI. Okay, people have been doing that now, you know, past six months or however long. If you're an OG, right? Then they created some kind of image um, for the front page. They've got some images in the book. I imagine they've got this fake author. They've got this fake bio. Um, but you know what? What really kind of just makes me smile is that they were able to put all of these things together, right? The content, the images, the author, the picture. Hey, let me list it on Amazon. Oh, by the way, Amazon has like a paperback generator deal, so mm-hmm. I don't really have to print my own books, right? Or they can get it for free on Kindle Unlimited. Then you slap in some fake reviews and you put all those together, right? And you net, I don't know, there's no way this person made, you know, more than a couple of hundred bucks. But that's just for one book. What if you did that times a hundred books, right? Well, if you made a couple hundred bucks times 100 now we're talking about $100,000 like well man that's actually a decent chunk of change I think these folks whoever they were just ultimately put all this together as a quick way to to grab some quick money and Amazon just hasn't um, uh, like found a way to quickly find these out to quickly get rid get rid of them because ultimately it does look like a bunch of spam. Um, they didn't have a Microsoft Red AI team or whatever, right? You, right? Yeah, they, didn't, they, they didn't have a Red this. team to go in and be like, "How do I scam people out of a bunch of money when people <laughs> wants to go to France?" Uh, yeah, I just I honestly the irony of it, and for anyone listening, you should go look this up and and check out the New York Times article because also just I thought where you were going to go with it was just the way that the New York Times 
article looks. They, oh, yeah. They confront you with all of these images of these fake travel guides. And as you scroll through, it's very interactive and asks questions and kind of tease things up. But the irony of all of it is, you know, this person that essentially was scammed. Um, yeah. She was trying to spend like 10 bucks less on a guide and she ended up going back to the the OG Rick Steves, who's apparently <laughs> the like master original content yeah, yeah. creator for travel guides. And his take on all of this AI, he's like, I don't, I mean, you got to be boots on the ground to, to, right. to know exactly what you're doing out here. I'm not worried. And this just continues to go back to what you've said from the very beginning about original content creators being the ultimate form of authenticity. That's how you cut through the noise of AI generated content. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't know if you actually went, I'm on Amazon right now and I, I typed in France travel guide mm-hmm. and there's a ton like, holy smokes. Well, stay away. Yeah. Rick, Rick Steves. That's your, that's your well, guy. I was, I was looking for the one by Mike Steves is the guy in this article. Right. And I bet it's already been pulled down because it's, it's, I prob- mean, it's yeah. New York times. So, um, but I didn't know travel books were such like a huge thing. Um, right. And, and that's kind of, they do touch on that because I mean, I, I use Instagram, like you can go to Pinterest and you yeah. know, you've got the, kind of these travel bloggers right. and stuff. So I think people have moved away from some of the more, uh, handheld like paperback versions of right. things. But as I say that, I mean, I'm still, I consume paperback books, just maybe not in travel form, but. Well, that's the kind of the thing that this, um, sorry, this blog pulls out or the, not this blog, this article, right? If you look, if you scroll down, maybe you'll pull out this article and if you scroll down, there's an image of an image where this uh, lady had written a review. And if you zoom in enough, you can see it. It's an image of the Notre Dame Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And then right below that, there's like, what is that? One, two, we'll call it four sentences on one page. Like the font is ginormous, right? This is like a little kid's book. And you spent $17, right? And then looked at, I mean, if I could read this, it's probably like, you know, just basic information about Notre Dame. It's like I could pull this up on Wikipedia or with a Google search. And know? that's what the reviews said. The one-star reviews were like, I might as well have just done a Google search, yeah. copy, paste it into Word doc and printed it out. Well, if there's one thing about like this handcrafted original content thing that I've been, you know, going off on, it's, it's that if you want to be unique, in the, in the space that you're talking about or that you're in, you're now going to have to be even more unique because the moment that your content is ingested by the AI, let's circle all the way back around to the beginning of the mm. show, right? I've now come up with some really unique content and now all of these large language models have digested it and then they start spewing that stuff. Well, now my content is maybe original, but it's no longer unique because everybody else is saying it too. So Rick Steves needs to be worried. He he needs to be worried if he uh, stops generating unique content. And I mean, how many people are really out there traveling the world, coming up with? I don't all know, sorts but it sounds like a pretty great lifestyle. He actually has a whole team of fact checkers that uh, their job is to travel. We should apply using his guide. Oh, and they go to these places and they fact check that they're still there. Have, they eat at the apply. restaurants. Let's let's do that, and then we can do like a co-sponsor thing. You know, where he's on our show and we're on his show yeah. if he has a show okay or yeah. he should start one we can help him i'll add that to my list <laughs> oh, okay well this has been fun i i really enjoyed this one i know we kind of bounced around with this dungeon and dragons and travel themes started out with zoom recordings mm-hmm. but there's just so much interesting 
you know, stuff out oh, there totally. in the news right now that we can't not cover some of these kind of quirkier things that are a little bit more outside of the lines. I know it was not, not really B2B oriented headlines today, but. Totally. Quick sidebar. I wasn't going to say it, but I have to. Um, I did kind of get into Dungeons and Dragons for like a hot second. I bought Gloomhaven, which is based off of Dungeons and Dragons rule set, but it is very much like table talk. You got some characters and it's this giant box. If you've ever played and you want to play, like hit me up because um, when I tried to play, my the only person that would play with me and she didn't really even want to play was my wife. And uh, once we got it all out, she was like, yeah, I, I can't do this. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> so uh, if you're out there and you want to play Gloomhaven one day, you, you just let me know. But, uh, yeah, so I, I one, maybe maybe one day I'll be really cool and get to play. But That's yet. one of the most authentic things I've ever heard you mm. say. One day. That, that I'm not cool yet or that I'm already All of cool? the above. <laughs> yeah, you're cutting through that AI noise big time. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, Chase. This has been really fun. We, until next time, you know the drill. Send us an email, junction at venttechnology.com. Give us your take. Laugh with us. Send us other articles. Or cry with us. Or cry. That never happened. <laughs> Off air. Uh, we would love to know what your questions are, what other quirky articles you have, or new and emerging AI and automation trends. We are here for all of it. Until next time, keep it automated. Keep it automated.